Good morning, everyone. Let's try that again because I know how you're going to be screaming at the end of this afternoon. Good morning, everybody. That's great. I know you're into it because, I mean, you applauded for the announcements. How amazing is that, right? It's like, woo, that was good. We had Gandalf and Bilbo out here, and you guys applauded for them. That's fantastic. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, one of the teaching pastors here. Glad that you're here. Last week I made uh, essentially a confession to each one of you that I, in 13 years of being the teaching pastor here at Christ the King, have never done a series on prayer. And the reason was because, because I didn't want to feel hypocritical. And then I told you the reality is I have never been satisfied with my personal approach to praying. Praying up front, that's one thing. That's different, right? But, but those times when, when, when I am trying to communicate with God just one-on-one, not as a pastor, not as a leader, just as Grant and God, and I told you, I just have never been fully satisfied with that type of conversation. And so I invited you to do something. I invited you to take a personal resolution and make it corporate, which basically says this, and I put it in your outline, that I want to graduate beyond, beyond help me, give me, bless me, and keep me safe. Because for so many of us, that's how our prayer life really goes. And I was excited to find out last week, I am not alone in this. I'm not alone in the holy discontent of saying, I want my prayer life to be so much better. And I heard that from you. So many of you that just said, I just want to get beyond those moments when I come to God and basically, okay, God, here's the deal. Here's my list. Take care of my list. I need you to take care of my list. I want you to to press through that. And God, uh, on top of that, if you could take care of my list by Thursday at noon, that would be absolutely awesome. So help me, bless me, give me, help me, bless me, give me, help me, bless me, give me, keep me safe. And amen. It just wants so much more than that. And some of you, I just appreciate the honesty around here. I talked to so many of you afterwards. And just asking a simple question. How is your personal prayer life going? These were the top three answers that I got. Number one is, I just don't pray. I don't do that. I'd like to try and figure this out, but I don't do that. Second most popular answer was, I have a ritual that I go through. But it stopped being fulfilling about 15 years ago. I'm like, that's a clue. And the third most popular answer was, you know what, Grant, if I was to be honest, God and I are not on speaking terms right now. I'm like, okay, let's start with that honesty. Because I'm going to ask you the same question this week that I asked last week. What if talking and listening to God was as natural as breathing? What if it was a normal part of our everyday experience? So we started there last week. If you weren't here, you may want to go back and catch up. I'll do my best to try and kind of give you a brief outline of where we were last week, and then we're going to dive in together. Because last week, Jesus spoke very specifically to us about our conversation and our communicating with him from Matthew chapter 6. And we dove into the, the specifics last week. We learned right out of the get-go from Matthew 6, obedience matters, right? God basically said to us, I have an expectation that you're going to want to talk to me. And that's how we boiled it down. Our approach to prayer is this, that God has stepped into our lives. And this is what he's saying. Just talk to me, people. Just talk to me. Let's have a conversation. Secondly, we learned that location matters. This bothered some of us. Because we thought, no, I like the way I get this done. I I have Jesus in my car all day long. That car's got four doors. I talk to him. You know, I call down heaven on the people that are driving in front of me and intersecting. And I just kind of like blurt stuff out all over the place and expect God to catch these little fragments of sentences. And we were offended when Jesus said, actually, I have a different expectation of you. I need you to get a room with a door. 
Because I want to have an undistracted face-to-face conversation where we can get beyond all the fluff and really talk. Then we learn that motivation matters. Jesus told us that what should motivate us to pray is not what we can get out of God, but finding out what God wants for us. And ultimately, we learned that relationship matters most. And Jesus kind of threw us for a bit of a loop when he basically told us, look, you've always thought that your reward was the answer to your prayer. That's not the reward. The reward is the fact that we're actually speaking together, creator and created in a conversation, face to face, talking about the stuff that really, really, really matters. So we're going to dive in. Before I began this series, I made a deal with God that the one place I was not going in my quest to try and improve my personal prayer life was the Lord's Prayer. I'm just like, not going there. Everybody's done it. Everybody knows it. I informed God. Okay, I'm going to steer clear of this one because I want to be original. I want to be different. Okay, has anyone else experienced what happens when you tell God how he's going to get with your program? (laughs) Did that work as well for you as it did for me? All right, so this weekend... We're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. All right, so, and I want to challenge those of you who are veterans. I want to challenge you with the same thing that God challenged me with. Don't allow your over-familiarity with this text to steal the richness of what God might have to say. Because I went back to it this week. I dove into it. I sat in it and I marinated. And you know what I found out? I found out there's something new and fresh every single morning when you allow God to direct the conversation. So don't turn it off just because you know it so well. And if you don't know it, this is an amazing opportunity to get started. Now, before we hit this section, I just want to share something with you. And I want to encourage you to do something. I've taken a step back from my personal prayer life to just try and learn why do I do the things that I do. And I learned some amazing things about my own personal experience. I I have to tell this to you. I almost always default into help me, give me, bless me. Almost always, help me, give me, bless me, help me, give me, bless me, keep me safe. That's what I'm looking for. I also learned something strange. I always start praying with a southern accent. Where'd that come from? And when I get really fired up, I switch to Scottish, which is amazing. It's like I think God, you know, it's just like I just get into it and I just start praying like this. And it just, I mean, it just starts rolling out of me. Like I sound like Mel Gibson from Braveheart. It's like, why does that happen? I also learned that my listening moments are often relegated to a couple of brief seconds at the end when I basically, it's like, okay, God, that's what I've got to say. You got anything? Nope, moving on. That's kind of how it goes. That's the example of listening, right? And then I've learned something else. I use different language when I'm praying than I do at any other time in my life. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. So can I have permission? Can we laugh at ourselves just a little bit as we're walking through this? Because I found that when I've been asked by someone to pray any kind of protection around them, that I have a common phrase that you kind of learn in the Christian church world that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I pray around them a hedge of protection, which is weird. You know why it's weird? It's because of all the things I could choose to protect my friend or myself, the fact that I would choose shrubbery and small plants... Because I know this. I mean, I have never found a hedge. I couldn't, like, if I, I could either jump over it or back my way through it. I mean, I, it's not that intimidating when you really, really think about it. There's a language that sometimes we shift into 
And I want us to just think about that for a second. Because Jesus is going to talk to us about a language when it comes to prayer. And I want you to think about this. You didn't just start talking. You didn't show up at 15 months and work, walk into your parents' room one day and start using words like existential or disestablishmentarianism. I mean, you just didn't do that. No, you learned basic words at the beginning. Mama, daddy, and the third most popular word, no, because that's what you heard from mama and daddy all the time, right? So here's what we're going to do. Jesus is going to take us to school. And some of you are going to be offended by how remedial it seems. My question is this. When was the last time you actually did what he told you to do? Maybe we all need to go back to school when it comes to prayer. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to break down what Jesus said. We're going to go through it phrase by phrase. Then I'm going to share what he said, and then I'm going to flip it over and show you the mirror image, because sometimes there are things that Jesus says, and in what he is saying, he's also telling us what he's not saying, and it's important to notice that. So let's walk through it together. So Jesus shares a way to pray. In fact, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says this. This is pretty direct, right? This then is how you should pray. Now let's just stop for just a second, okay? Jesus is not saying this is the only way to pray, okay? Some people get stuck here. And they actually believe it. If you don't pray these words in this order, then count. And that's simply not true. If that was true, Jesus broke his own rule. Because we see Jesus praying in different places at different times with completely different vocabulary than this. So this is an unbelievable outline. It's a beautiful model. But let's make sure we don't just turn it into a formula. Because a lot of us do that, right? You know, if I bring A and add B to it, I should get C. And that's just simply not the way that prayer works. And then Jesus dives in. This then is how you should pray. Our Father, stop. Our Father, when you are praying every single time with the simple enunciation of the name of God, his son Jesus reaches out and grabs you by the hand and says, we get to do this together. He's inviting you. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Our Father, our Father, my dad, your dad. That's how we're going to do this. This is intimate. This is close. This is intertwined. And we get to do this together. Jesus is inviting us into this unbelievably divine conversation. Let's not ever forget that. Our Father in heaven. So that's what Jesus says. Can I tell you what he's not saying? <laughs> not, this is essentially it, right? Don't start with you. Don't start with you, because here's what I know. When I'm praying, if I start with me, I'll stick with me, because me is one of my favorite topics. And I know that's true for all of us. We don't want to admit it, but it's true, right? But instead, Jesus says, no, start with who you are praying to. Speak to him. God, you're worthy of my praise. You're in control of all things. You're my father. I'm your child. You're unlimited. I'm limited. You're high and exalted, and I am... I'm here. You are love and hope and joy. And I tend not to embody any of those things. You are perfect and I am flawed. You are God and I am not. That's just a good place to start. Because he attaches our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. What's Jesus saying there? Acknowledge who's on the other end of the conversation. Start there. I mean, think about this. To be able to start a conversation by saying, God, you are 
holy. Your name is holy. You are the answer to everything that I'm going to talk to you about. You're the authority. In fact, the only reason that I can stand in your presence and not be vaporized is because I'm coming under the authority of the name of your son, Jesus Christ. So here I am in the throne room, a little freaked out. But I just want to declare right off the get-go, your name is holy. It's the name of Jesus that, that protects me now. Your name is the name under which I stand. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's what Jesus says. Hold a mirror up to that. I believe this is what he's clearly communicating. Right, right here at the beginning, after you've declared who God is, you need to surrender your will and ask for alignment with his will. Now, this is so tough. So tough, because what do we really want? I don't know about you, but I want God to get with my program. Because i got things I want to accomplish. I've got dreams and aspirations, and I need him to do that. In fact, you've seen me use this illustration before. So many of us come with all of the details of our life filled out on a sheet of paper, and we spin it around on a desk and slide it across to God Almighty and say, I need you to initial right here at the bottom, because this is the plan, and I need you to get with the plan. And we are a little freaked out when God says, that is not the way this works. This is how it works. You bring me a blank sheet of paper with your signature at the bottom. And I'll slide it across to you as I fill in the details of your life. Because my plan is perfect and yours is about you. <laughs> and when we so desperately want him to sign off. And yet right here in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus just says, you need to pray that your will is actually aligned with the will of my Father because his will for you is perfect. I wrote this in my prayer journal this week. God, I am not sure what the perfect plan is for my life, but you know the perfect plan for me. So God, today I'm asking you to give me the grace to be open to your alignment of me with your plan because you're God and I'm not. It's all about alignment. Let's keep going on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think this is a great place in the prayer to just pause and give thanks for God's perspective. I mean, I love that God has a different perspective, a heavenly, eternal perspective. Because I don't know about you, my perspective is a little bit skewed because it tends to revolve all around me. That's why I'm always saying, help me, give me, bless me, keep me safe, help me, bless me, give me, keep me safe. I love it that God has a different perspective, that his perspective is from the position of heaven looking down. In fact, let me just illustrate something to you because our perspective gets so twisted. I stole this from my daughter. Okay, McKenna turned 19 on, on Friday. A great celebration, all the rest of it. But we were talking one day about how, how, how sin is just such a difficult thing to have a perspective on. And I think this. So I learned this from my kid. So give her credit if you see her, all right? But she said, Dad, this is what I think. I think, I think we see sin like a, like a city skyline. 
And, and we look at all the different things, you know, and just kind of like, you know, if we're having a good day, then we're this little building down here, right? I only got this much sin. And we do it and we take our sin and we use it with regards to comparing and valuing. So like, this is me down here and I'm having a really good day. And, and obviously, this is Todd King's sin right here. Like, that is one big pile. In comparison to him, I'm doing awesome, right? You know, and then I got Derek Archer over here, you know, and kind of scaling myself up and down, back and forth. And we see sin with regards to sin and, and, and volume and how big it is and how big your pile is in comparison to my pile. And we looked at, and that's not God's perspective. That can, can I show you how God would see exactly the same thing? From the top down... It all kind of looks the same, doesn't it? I love that. When God looks down, it's not like, wow, this guy's got this much to cover, and this guy's got this much to cover, and this guy's got this much to cover. No, it's just I look down from my heavenly perspective, and what I see is this. I see a need for grace. And I am going to flood that entire area with love and grace and mercy. So take that idea and apply it to what we've really talked about. It's a simple moment when we come to God and say, God, may your perfect will be done when it comes to dealing with my sin issues. And may it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Take all of you and allow it to saturate and move and deal with whatever it is that you need to deal with in me. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. That's a simple ask for provision, isn't it? I mean, do you notice how short Jesus' list is? What do I need? Daily bread. Enough to live off of. I mean, I, 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 don't, see, I don't see a list of wants anywhere there, do you? Pretty simple. He's boiled it down soon as I see that, give us today our daily bread. I think of another portion of scripture when Jesus is talking to a group of human beings and he basically says this, hey, do you see birds freaking out about food? No, me either. You know why? Because my heavenly father feeds them. They just have an assumption that God's going to take care of that. You know, I, I just went to my refrigerator the other day. And when you sit in this stuff, you just become so mindful of where it is that God has. You know what? Apparently, God has answered my prayer. Forgive us this day our daily bread. According to the inventory in my refrigerator, he's already working about a week out. How blessed am I? How blessed are you? You know, I noticed that this request is located about halfway through. And I think God's saying something to us right there. I mean, could it be that knowing God and acknowledging God and aligning yourself with his will helps you just kind of boil your list down to what you really need, not what you want? Let's keep going. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Boy, Jesus lays it right out there, right? Confess and receive grace and then forgive as you have been forgiven. I love the fact that he covers all the ends of the spectrum. That he says right here, it's okay to ask for forgiveness for your skyscraper, but don't have that perspective. Understand that there is God's grace for all of us. We all stand equal in need at the foot of, a, at the, foot of the cross, that every single one of us needs a Savior. I love that. There's forgiveness for your skyscraper and an assumption that if you've been forgiven with undeserved grace, that you're going to want to pay that forward. To forgive as you have been forgiven. 
you have received, now give. Exactly the same thing. In fact, I love the fact that Jesus, the phrase it really, it is an assumption, right? Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. He's being proactive here. He's actually assuming that the grace that you've received is now going to be poured out because you've learned if you don't choose to forgive, you're going to be inside of a prison. Drinking bitterness. We all know what bitterness is, right? Bitterness is when I drink poison in the hopes that it'll kill somebody else. Mm. Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me just fill this in and then we'll talk about it. Simply ask for spiritual protection. This one actually made me laugh when I saw it. Because it says, and lead us not into temptation. My first thought was, God, when it comes to temptation, I don't need any help at all. I can find it all on my own, right? (laughs) I'll wander my way in there no matter what. Some of us think, I don't need any help in that category. If you need a greater explanation of that, I'd encourage you to read the book of James. Because it's fantastic about the fact that God doesn't lead us into temptation. But we're lured and enticed away. He says, lead us not into temptation, but I want us to notice something about those last couple of phrases there. Notice the difference between physical protection, which we seem to be obsessed with. I beat you up pretty good on this one last week, right? It's just like we're always praying, keep me safe, keep me safe, keep me safe, keep my loved ones safe. And we think, you know, let's just be honest, right? Most of that prayer could be taken care of with a helmet, a seatbelt, and wrapping your child in bubble wrap, right? Then you're good to go from that point on. But we're obsessed with it. But I want you to notice the difference between physical protection and spiritual protection. When was the last time you prayed spiritual protection over your child or your loved one or yourself? When was the last time you understood there is a spiritual enemy that will wage war against you and one of his most potent weapons is to try and distract you away from having that moment of your day when you walk into the room and close the door and have a face-to-face conversation with your heavenly Father. I love that Jesus says that. Protect us from the evil one because he knows we so desperately need that in this country. And then he's done with the prayer. That's where it ends. And some of you are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about the rest of it? What about the, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Like, doesn't Jesus know the Lord's prayer? What's the problem, right? Some of you know that section, right? In fact, if you grew up in church, you knew how that felt. When Usually once or twice a year, an older lady in the church with a really high soprano voice would come, and she'd sing the Lord's prayer, and she'd come to that end part, and you'd hold your breath and start to pray that she actually makes the last note some of you that are church people, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because you don't know, say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory and for God. Go get it, you know? It's like a bad American Idol audition. It's like, get up there. Some of you are looking going, that's not in there? It's actually not. Jesus got his prayer right, just so we're clear, Okay. That section was actually added later. It is in some of the later manuscripts, but in the original, earliest manuscripts, it's not there. So is it wrong to pray that? No. Think about the words. For thine, yours, is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, when I see this text, and if you've been around here for a long time, you know, I, man, I just have no use for formulas at all. Because I've never seen a formula work well in the Christian journey of actually walking together and following Jesus together. I've never seen a formula work. I think God is more creative than formulas. So if you go home today and say, well, this is the formula and this is what I'm supposed to pray, then I will have failed in my mission today. Because what I really want you to understand is this is an invitation to learn and grow and stretch and press in into a deeper conversation with God our Father. This is an invitation to step beyond, help me, give me, bless me, and keep me safe into a vibrant conversation with God that starts with God and ends with God and places an emphasis on wanting God's will more than our will and needing God's